Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's put our hands together and praise the King of Glory today. Hallelujah. God is so good. And I just love the Christmas season. I love to remember that Jesus came to be with us and Jesus came to be one of us. How many would say amen? How many are grateful for the King of glory today? Come on. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's Christmas time. And it's a wonderful time of the year for the people of God. Because we get to celebrate the coming of the Lord. Jesus is the only one, he's the only God who actually came to be with us, came to be among us. Can I tell you, as I begin the Christmas series, one of the things that I'm always thinking about as a pastor is that I want to help the congregation have Thoughts and sentences that will help you talk to people about Jesus. Well, here's a great conversation starter. Was there any God who actually came to the earth? How many know there's only one and he's the king of glory? How many would say amen? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Now we're going to spend the next couple of weeks on a series on the the Christmas story, literally the family of God. But I want to ask you a question to really give context to um, what we're looking at today. Have you ever or do you remember being the last one picked for the team? Anybody here? Go ahead. Don't worry about it. Happened to me a bunch of times when I was a kid. Or were you ever like left out of the group feeling like you were, you know, on the outside when you really wanted to be on the inside. It's funny because when we're growing up, we're so sensitive to those things. But I think more than ever before, being part of a family, being part of a crew, being part of a team is such a big deal. Belonging. This is so important. And here's the amazing thing about the Christmas story. What you see in the Christmas story is that the last person that we would pick is actually the first person that God would pick. It's remarkable. And what we're going to be doing today is looking at how God, Jesus, the Son of God, how did he build his family tree on the earth? Because Jesus had a family tree. And what we're going to see as we look at uh, this list in Matthew chapter 1, it it begins with a a genealogy. What we're going to see is that Jesus' genealogy was the exact opposite of what the average person would think. Listen, Listen to what Tim Keller said. This is really powerful. He said, Uh, Matthew 1 looks like a genealogy, and it is, but it is also a resume. In those times, it was your family pedigree, it was your family pedigree and clan 
the people you were connected to that constituted your resume. So a genealogy was a way of saying to the world, this is who I am. The purpose of a genealogical resume was to impress onlookers with the high quality and respectability of one's roots. Jesus does the complete opposite. So a lot of times when we're talking about our family, we skip over the black sheep. We just leave that one out for other, other conversations. You know, we talk about what's going great in our family, but we skip over the black sheep. The interesting thing is that when you really look at life in light of who Jesus was, how many know we're all black sheep and Jesus is the only white sheep, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen. And here's what we're going to see as we walk through this amazing ge uh, genealogy. When we look at Jesus' family tree, you ever think about the fact that Jesus uh, had a family tree? Here's what we're going to see. Number one, Jesus didn't come from a single race. Okay? Jesus did not come from a single race. Jesus was mixed. He had a little of everything, in a sense, of that time. Proving there's no superior race. Hallelujah. If the Son of God was mixed, how many know we can overlook all the rest of that nonsense? Could somebody say amen? <laughs> Number two, Jesus didn't come from a perfect family, but from a family with lots of dysfunction. People are like, oh my. But that's the truth. Number three, here's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn that the royalty and his bloodline was typically marked by scandal. That's what we're going to see. So we're going to open now to Matthew chapter 1. This is the first book in the New Testament. And I want to pray right up front because I want to preach through the text. We can't address every person, but we're just going to address a, a few people. And here's why we want to learn, first of all, that, and this is the title of the message, we're going to learn that the family of God is unusual. Okay? The family of Jesus is unusual. That's the first thing we're going to learn. And the second thing that we're going to learn as we read through this genealogy is that there's room for everyone in the family of God. How many are thankful that there's room for everyone in the family of God? Hallelujah. So I want you to pray with me. Now, here's what I want uh, what I want to ask you to do. I want you to pray, God, open my heart. Open my heart to see, oh God, your heart. Open my heart to see the world the way you see this world. If you're a Christian, this is a season to really get the heart of God. If you're not a believer, I want to I wanna ask you to bow your head with us and say, Lord, if you're real, show me that there's room for me. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. Today we celebrate the coming of the King of glory. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you loved us so much that you just didn't remain in the outer realms, God. You didn't remain in the... In the realms of, the, of mythology, Lord God, stories that would be made up about you. No, Lord, you actually came. You were born of a virgin, oh God. 
You became a man. You took on the form of a man to be with us, to live among us, to teach us, to show us, oh God, how much you loved us and how we should live. King of glory, would you bless this service and this message today. Bless our time together as we look at your unusual family tree. Bless our time in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's begin. Matthew chapter 1. Here's how it begins. Like I said, we're going to read the whole thing, but we're going to pause occasionally. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then verse 2 says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. So the, the, the genealogy of Christ begins with Abraham. And Abraham was a unique individual because when you look at his past, Abraham was a man of many idols. Abraham was a man of many idols. In Joshua chapter 24, what the Bible teaches us about Abraham was this. Uh, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. When God, when Abraham met God, he was worshipping many gods. Abraham was like a shepherd businessman. Abraham was trying to build like just the average working guy. He was trying to build his empire. He was trying to build wealth. He was pursuing success. And he was probably thinking to himself the way average people do. He was probably thinking to them himself, you know what, I'm going to ask these gods to help me. To help me be successful. To help me be comfortable. He's saying to himself things like, I hope one day to have enough animals. I hope one day to have enough land and to have a big enough and strong enough family that no one will bother me. We all feel that way. We all desire to, to, to be comfortable. He, he, was, he probably had that, I want to be my own boss and be respected. And so he worshipped after many gods. And what Abraham was doing is he was chasing after success, but in his heart of hearts, he was longing for blessing. Abraham was chasing after success, but deep in his heart, he was longing for blessing. Do you know that's been the case for since the beginning of time? Average guys working hard, just like Abraham. Wanting to, to, to be successful, wanting to have a home, maybe have a vacation home. Wanting to, to just do well and, 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 and get ahead and be, be able to pay for their kids' college. And, and they chase success and they chase success. But in their heart of hearts, what they're really longing for is the blessing of God. See, because in the end, what we see all throughout history and even in modern times is that success always leaves you longing for more. What we see when we look around our culture that it doesn't matter how successful you become, success can't give you peace and success can't grant you salvation. How many know only Jesus who is the Prince of Peace and only Jesus who is the Savior of the world, he's the only one who could grant us salvation. 
Listen, I remember looking at an at a, a interview on Tom Brady after he won the Super Bowl. He's won five Super Bowls now. Pastor Jake, five has he won? Six? He's now won six Super Bowls. But after he won the second or the third one, he was married to a supermodel. They interviewed him. CBS interviewed Tom Brady. And you know what Tom Brady said? He said, you know, after the Super Bowl and all this, I was sitting one day and I asked myself, is this all there is? There has to be more. Lee Iacocca, who was the chairman of Chrysler Motors, at the end of his life, they interviewed Lee Iacocca. And you know what he said? He said, wealth empowers for the birds. There was a brother in our church who was a psychologist, very successful guy, came from a good family. And you know what I asked him? I asked him, um, how did you? How did you get saved? And he said, I gave my heart to the Lord on a park bench. He said, you know, it's not like anything was super wrong, but I was so profoundly empty. And he said, I was contemplating suicide. And he said, and I, I, I looked up and I turned. I had heard about Jesus and I prayed a, pair, uh, a prayer. And Jesus met me right there. And he began to fill my heart of its emptiness. Because let me tell you, success can't fill our hearts. How many of you can say amen? Here's an interesting thing. I recently learned that as Americans, we consume more antidepressant pills than the rest of the world combined. In the United States, there are more suicides than murders. In other words, the pursuit of success has left Americans empty. And this is one of those times of the year where people start to feel that emptiness. So Abraham was a man of many idols. He was a man trying to, trying to get ahead and... And, and just try to, try to do what we all do. But he found himself empty. And there were things that he needed that success couldn't secure for him. How many know there's certain things that money can't buy? But then here's what happened for Abraham. What happened for Abraham is that he heard the call of God. The Bible says that God spoke to Abraham. God went to that shepherd businessman and God spoke to him. And when God called him, Abraham left all the idols for the one true God. And Abraham started to seek him and started to follow him because Abraham came to the realization, the world will let you down, but God will never let you down. Success will leave you empty, but Jesus will never, ever, ever leave us empty. Could we praise God because our cup has been filled. Hallelujah. And that's the way the family of tree, the family tree of Jesus started, is someone who was worshiping after many gods. Maybe you're here and you're worshiping after many gods. Maybe you're going after this or maybe you're going after that. Well, there's good news. There's room for everyone in the family of God. And it's better to serve the one true living God than all the false gods that will let us down. Could someone say amen? Hallelujah. We would think the, 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 the one who's pursuing after other gods is the one that God would turn away from. But how many know we've all worshipped many gods? And Jesus came looking for us. Listen, maybe you've been chasing all kinds of, of uh, success or idols. 
Can I tell you something? God is waiting to fill you. God is waiting to fill your heart, fill your soul. Because there's room for everyone in the family of God. Let's keep going. This thing gets really interesting. Watch this. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Now, this is a story that we can't get into Tamar, but that was kind of crazy. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. And by the way, I do get points for these names, okay? Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Everybody say Rahab. Rahab. Now Rahab was a woman of many men. Rahab was a woman of many men. In the line of Jesus, Rahab was a prostitute. Many believe that she was a temple prostitute. No one knows how she got there. But when you study the life of Rahab, here's what you do know. She was accepted by the culture at least for a little while. She was a Canaanite. In that culture, prostitution was endorsed by society. Okay? So Rahab was one of those women who belonged to everyone, yet she was claimed by no one. She belonged to everyone but was claimed by no one. We live in a culture nowadays that will endorse you in one minute, then unclaim you in the next. We live in a, in a culture that will say, do whatever you want, live however you want, you know, and they'll cheer you on. You go, girl. <laughs> do all your craziness. That's the culture that we live in. But in the end, but in the end, they don't claim you. Here's what we know. What we know is the pursuit of rampant sensuality and pleasure chasing, it leads people to shame and loneliness. We've all chased pleasures that left us empty and lonely. And so here's Rahab who was known by everyone and claimed by no one. And who knows how Rahab woke up in the morning? Because even though the culture was saying it was okay, how many know certain things might be okay in the culture, but it's not okay for your heart. It's not okay for your life. You know, you can't just ignore uh, the principles of the word of God and be whole and well. I would say every year, especially as our church has grown, I would say every year someone who was part of the fellowship drifts away for the party life. Happens every year. It's one of those things that can really break a, a pastor's heart, to be honest with you. It's one of those things that, that, um, uh, that just, it just hurts when people make that choice. But here's the thing, what we see over the years is that sooner or later, they come back around. How many know you can run from Jesus, but you can't hide? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
And what, what people realize is over time is that when you jump into the party scene, when you jump into chasing pleasure, sooner or later your crew will jump off. As soon as they find something substantial, they leave you. And you end up alone. And Rahab was one of those women. And like I said, we don't know if she was a victim. We don't know if this was generational. We don't have the details. But here's what we know. What we know is that she made a living selling herself. And everybody thought it was okay, but that's not okay for any human being. And you know what, even though the culture endorses it, I just looked up before I came in here. Most of Nevada uh, 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 has legalized prostitution. But just because it's legal, that doesn't mean it's good. Just because it's legal, that doesn't mean it's good. But here's what happened. One day, Rahab received an offer from God. One day God sent his people to her. And they said to her, God has a message for you. And the message is this. Would you let me claim you? Would you, would you belong to me and to me alone? And Rahab, if you belong to me, if you follow me, if you go with me, you'll never be ashamed. And I will bless you and I will provide for you and I will take care of you. And destruction came to her city, uh, 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 to, to the Canaanite city. But Rahab went with the people of God. And Rahab went from being a woman of ill repute to being a woman of honor. Rahab was mentioned twice in the New Testament as a woman who was honored by the Most High God. How many are thankful that the blood of Jesus removes all the shame? How many are thankful that the blood of Jesus claims us and that there's room for everyone? There's room for everyone hallelujah there's room for everyone in the family of God God claims us and he wants to claim us and he wants to bless us he's the only God who never uses or abuses he's the God who blesses and helps this is who Jesus brought into his family tree it's an amazing thing because she would go on to give birth to a man who would actually become famous as a type of Christ in the scriptures. So let's keep going here. Look at what happened. It says, Salmon was the father of Boaz. Everyone say Boaz. Boaz. Whose mother was Rahab. So all of a sudden, Rahab goes from being a, a, a woman of ill repute to a respectable, an honored woman, okay? And she gave birth to Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Everybody say Ruth. Now Ruth was a woman of many losses. Ruth was a woman of many losses. Ruth was not a Jewish woman. She was a Moabite. The Jews would, would not associate with a woman like Ruth. The Jews would not want to be part of her, but she got connected somehow to a Jewish family. But even though she got connected to a Jewish family, her life was marked by loss. She lost her husband. Her husband died. Her brother-in-law died. Her father-in-law died. So she lost her husband. She lost her family. She lost her country. She was a woman who's marked by loss. When we were kids, we would call that a hard knock life. 
She just had a really rough and hard life. And Ruth didn't know what to do. Like many of us, when we experience loss, we're not exactly, we're not exactly sure what we ought to do. Who can help us when everything is, is lost? Who can help us when, when uh, all, the, all that we've looked to has kind of left us disappointed? Well, here's what she did. Ruth heard about the true and living God. And she heard about the true and living God in comparison to the Moabite gods. The Moabite gods were cruel and mean and unjust. But she heard about the true and living God. She heard that the God of Israel was a kind God and a merciful God and a loving God and a God who blesses and helps. And Ruth made a decision. She said, that's the God I want to follow after. I want to go after the God, the true and the living God. And as she went and began to pursue the true and living God, he started to turn all of those losses around and he started to fill her life and to bless her life and provide for her life and he raised up Boaz and Boaz in the scripture is called the kinsman redeemer. Now a kinsman redeemer was a man who was in a family that in that culture, in the Jewish culture, if a man died and he didn't have children, his brother was supposed to marry his wife and give her children to carry on the brother's line. And the first, the first quote, kinsman redeemer came along. And, and, and uh, they offered Ruth to him, but he said, I don't want her. And he probably thought, I don't want to spoil our bloodline. I don't want to bring a Moabite in. But see, Boaz, Boaz uh, uh, was the second guy in line, and Boaz's mother was Rahab. And Boaz understood, my mother wasn't part of this line either. My mother has her own history, but the true and living God is powerful and great and mighty and his arms are wide and is open and he took her and he started a family with her that was blessed by the most high God. And so she went from being a woman that had so many losses to a woman that was just filled with the abundance of God. If you're here today and you feel like man, I've had so much loss, and you don't know what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. Turn to the one who can fill all of those losses. Could we praise God? Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. We come to God empty, and God is the one who's able to fill us. And God has plans for us that we have no idea about. And all we have to do is turn to him because, listen, there's room for everyone in the family of God. If you're a Christian here, and in our first service, we are predominantly Christians. Okay, if you're a Christian here, as you go throughout the city of Chicago in the weeks to come, remember to tell people there's room for everyone in the family of God. And when people come up with their excuses and when people deflect and when people joke or mock, just know they need the true and living God. How many agree the whole world, of the whole city of Chicago, the whole state of Illinois, how many know it needs a Savior and there's only one Savior and his name is Jesus. Come on, let's praise God for Jesus. Hallelujah. They could send out a musician. But it doesn't stop here. Man, Jesus had quite a family tree. 
Okay, this is an amazing, amazing thing. He's the one who can heal our broken hearts and help us when we really, really mess up. Watch this. Let's keep going. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of everyone, King David. Now watch this, and here's why I'm preaching this message the way I'm preaching it. Okay? Here's why. Because this next line actually reveals to us the message that God is trying to convey to us through the genealogy, the family tree of Christ. Watch this. Okay, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Okay? So, David, who all throughout scripture is known as the man after God's own heart, in the genealogy, David is revealed as a man of many scandals. Okay, that line was kind of like National Enquirer. Okay, like, Lord, did you really have to bring up Uriah's wife? You mean the woman that he cheated with when he became king? You mean the woman whose husband he conspired to kill? That's the David you're talking about? Jesus, that's the one that you want people to know is in your family tree? Yes, that's the one. Not because Jesus glorifies sin, but on the contrary, because Jesus elevates and glorifies his love and his mercy and his willingness to forgive all of our failures. Hallelujah. Jesus even sits on the throne of David. This really highlights the heart of God. This, this is what reveals to us that there's room for everyone in the family of God. David, once he took power, and after this there were so many scandals, issues in his family, all sorts of hardship. But here's the thing that we see about David. David was a man after God's own heart. And I want to really speak to the believers for a few moments. Because maybe you've got some scandal in your life. But here's what you see with David. David made mistakes. David made poor decisions. But David would just get up and keep on running to Jesus. And as he kept on running for Jesus, as he kept on running to Jesus, God would turn that scandal into a victory. How many know we serve a God who can turn our scandals into victory? Scandal into victory. Scandal into victory. How great is the love of God? How great is the power and the mercy and the wonder of our God. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He just kept going after God. David is in the scriptures as an example. Listen to what Proverbs 24, 16 says. It says, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. How many are thankful that our God is a God who lifts us up and cleans us up? He's a God that lifts us up and cleans us up over and over and over and over again. Hallelujah. That's why it's always the right time to get right with God. 
We have to be kidding ourselves to think that even in this service, there might not be people here who have met God and have served God, but right now are far from God. Okay, can I tell you something? I know better. After being at this for a long time, I know better. I know that perhaps this wasn't the best week for some of us. Maybe we were engaged in things that we feel are scandalous. But I'm here to declare to you that God's love is so great. Okay, his love is so great, his mercy, his blood is so powerful that the minute we run to him, he's ready to help us and clean us and pick us up and move us on to another victory. He came that we might have life and have it to the full. And our failure doesn't change his mission and his purpose for our lives. How many are thankful that on our worst day, he wants to bring about our best day? Could somebody praise God today? Hallelujah. So I'm not just praying for people to accept Jesus. I'm praying for people to get right with Jesus. I'm praying for people to come back to Jesus. And to not allow the lies of the enemy that says there's no room for you with God. No, there's room for everyone. How many know there's room for everyone in the family of God? You could have guilt. You could have shame. You could have all kinds of issues. But there's room for everyone in the family of God. Why would Jesus start out the first book of the New Testament with his family tree? And these are the people that he's highlighting. It's because he wanted us to know. That he's not like the made-up gods of this world. His love is an everlasting love. His love is a love that goes beyond understanding. We can make foolish choices. Yes. But when we turn to God, how many know God turns right to us? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's the last thing I want to say, say to this. Just know this. God's power is greater than your scandal. His power is greater than our scandal. How many would say amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's keep marching here. Watch this. David was the father of Solomon whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. More points for that one. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was started out as a great man of God in scripture, great king. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Everyone say Manasseh. Manasseh was just flat out a man of many evils. Manasseh was a man of many evils. Out of all the people in the line of Christ, in the family tree of Christ, this probably would be the most confusing. You know, I have a friend who sends me a text once in a while, and he puts S-M-H. 
He goes, it means shake my head, like, oh, snap, like, I don't get this, right? And this is one of those, oh, my goodness, Lord. So here's, let me tell you a little bit about Manasseh. Manasseh was a man who was the son of a king, and he was a king who evidently had a very dark heart. He was cold-hearted, dark-hearted, and especially he was dark-hearted because his dad was a man of God. He was probably a privileged brat, okay? And he thought he was above the law. He ignored his own family history and his upbringing. He just flat out chose evil. Some people choose evil over good. Some people choose wrong over right. Some people, it's not a question. It's just that they love the darkness. Manasseh was a guy who loved the darkness. See, but somewhere along the way, there were seeds sown. And we have a responsibility to sow the seeds of who our God is. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says where sin does abound, grace does even more abound. Look at what the Bible says about Manasseh. This is an interesting thing. No, no, oh, we missed it. Let me read this to you. Go back. Take that off. Listen. Here's what it said. In 2 Chronicles 33, 6, it says, He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. So Manasseh was a guy that the Bible tells us he got God really angry. He provoked God. One thing is to pick a fight with someone else, but another thing is to provoke God. Manasseh was a guy who provoked God, and God said, I'm going to bring judgment upon your life. And finally, they put a hook in his nose, and they dragged him from one country all the way to another, and they put him in a prison cell. But from his prison cell, here's what happens. Go ahead and put that verse up. It says, in his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God. And he humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his uh, plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. He gave him the kingdom back. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Just went Jackie Gleason, hamina, hamina. Listen. How many know that there's no heart that's too dark for Jesus? A lot of people don't like that. A lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people think that some people should be punished and other people should get mercy. A lot of people take a position of judge and they can't believe that one person would be forgiven. But let me tell you something, when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross for everybody. How many are thankful? He went to the cross for everybody. Real quickly, you know, the most wicked evil person that I ever spoke to was David Berkowitz, the son of Sam. Many of you may not um, know him or remember him, but in the 70s, I was a, a kid in New York. David Berkowitz killed six people 
uh, and uh, 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 and injured, I think, but seven were injured. And what he did is he would go around shooting women that had dark hair, and then he would send a letter to the police or to the newspaper. And he was mocking the city, and there, there was just terror. As soon as it got dark, people were running upstairs. Everybody was a blonde in New York for about six or, or a couple. People just kept buying, all the ladies were dying their hair because they were terrified. And finally, they caught David Berkowitz. And they, they sentenced him to 300 years. And then somebody ran into David Berkowitz in a, in a prison yard, and they started witnessing to him, and they gave him a little Bible. And somehow he was reading that Bible in his prison cell, and he got on his knees, and he did what Manasseh did. David Berkowitz is a modern-day Manasseh, and he asked God to forgive him, and he was miraculously, instantly born again into the family of God. He went from being the son of Sam to the son of hope, and he's radically transformed by the power of the most high God. And here's the thing, I spoke to David. I actually, I was at Pastor Simbla's house. He wasn't calling for me, he was calling for Pastor Simbla. But I picked up the phone. And when I picked up the phone, I mean, I mean, what do you say when, so, hi, this is David Berkowitz. Right? But I talked to him for about 10 minutes and I'm telling you right now, he was absolutely and not a dark-hearted soul. He was a man of God, full of the joy of the Lord as his strength. Could we praise God that he's able to transform even the darkest heart? There's no heart too dark. So look, if you've got people on the job, you're like, not that one, not that one. No, 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 exactly that one. Exactly that one. Go after the worst. Go after the hardest. Because there's room for everyone, everyone in the family of God. Come on, let's praise him. Hallelujah. The Bible says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Think about how twisted he must have been. And yet how clear and straight God made him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's the last. The, the last one is a couple. We're going to keep focusing on them. Almost done here. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. And his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. The hardest word in the Old Testament to say. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel, second hardest. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Achim. Achim, the father of Elihud. Elihud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And very quickly, Joseph and Mary were people of many questions. They were people of many questions. They were just a couple who fell in love, minding their own business, trying to do right. And then God kind of comes upon their lives with a storm of miracles. 
And they're like, what in the world is going on? How can this be? All we wanted was an average, normal life. But let me tell you, we're going to look at this next week. When you come into the family of God, he's got way more than just an average, normal life. How many would say amen? He's got great things and powerful things and amazing things. Don't let the question stop you. Don't let the mystery stop you because there's room for everyone in the family of God. Hallelujah. And you don't have to be the worst of the worst to need a Savior. We all need a Savior. How many would say amen? We all need a Savior. And they would go on to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah. You know, yesterday, and I'll close with this. Yesterday, I went to... Uh, uh, a fellowship of our security ministry. How many are thankful for our brothers and sisters who stand watch for us? How many would say amen? So one of our staff members, Juan, I need to say this quickly, but one of our staff members, Juan, is, is uh, one of the leaders of the security ministry, and I got to fellowship with them. I felt I was so blessed to be with them. I can't even tell you. And, um, you know, uh, uh, just connect and break a little bread with them. Had a bagel. And, uh, um, but at the end, Juan got up and he shared a verse with so much authority. I don't think I told you this, Chris, but he spoke with so much. It was one minute, but he spoke with authority and clarity, and he was exhorting them, and he told the story of him coming to the church. He and his wife, just like Joseph and Mary, just an average couple trying to live a good life, and then Jesus comes like a storm into their lives and transforms them, and now both of them are in full-time ministry, working in the house of the Lord. How many know ears have not heard and eyes have not seen? The mind cannot conceive. See the wonderful things that God has in store for his people. So one last time, everyone, say it with me. There's room for everyone in the family of God. Hallelujah. All right, close your eyes for a moment. Is there anyone here? Is there anyone here? Today is your day to make room for Jesus. The Bible says Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts. And Jesus came to this earth with a mission. That mission was to save us from our sin. That mission was to fulfill his name, which was Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is different from all the other gods because he came and he wants to remain with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to walk with us. He, he moves into our hearts and becomes the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Maybe you're here today and you've known about God and you've known about the stories and you know about the Christmas story, but you've never opened the door. Jesus knocks on the door of every heart. And he says, just open the door. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't worry about what the issues are on the inside. I've got it all covered. But just let me in. That's the way you become a Christian. That's the way you become a child of God. You let him in. You put your faith in Jesus 
as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you've never done that, it's simple. You just say a prayer and you open the door of your heart. I did it on a baseball field. Different people do it in different places. But this is the place for you today. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. So if you're here today and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord, you want to say the prayer and open up the door, would you please just raise your hand right now and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Is there anyone here? Thank you. Is there anyone else? Blessed be the name. Is there anyone else? Jesus is knocking in the privacy of this moment. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Raise your hands nice and high. Thank you. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you know the angels right now, as people raise their hands, the angels are standing up and celebrating for the decision that they are making right now. Hallelujah. So here, you can go ahead and put your hand down. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and we're all going to say this prayer together. And then we'll close. But as I lead you in this prayer, God is going to hear the words that I'm helping you with because these words are coming from your heart to him. So let's pray. Everyone repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your Christmas story. Thank you for building such an unusual family tree. It tells me, Lord, that there's room for me. And so today I feel you knocking at the door of my heart. And I open it to you, Lord. And I invite you in. Come into my heart and cleanse it, wash it clean. Forgive me of all of the sin for all of the breaking of your law. I know that you're the son of God. And I know that you were the only one who could pay that price for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Now sit on the throne of my heart and be my master and my king. Be my Lord and my friend. Thank you for receiving me, even as I receive you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Could we put our hand, come on, come on, let's celebrate with the angels, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. For those of you who raised your hand, I want to congratulate you. You have become part of the family of God, and Jesus will be in your heart forever and ever and ever. And all the angels of heaven are rejoicing over the decision that you made today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You should have received the box. That box is a gift from us to you. It has a Bible in it. The Bible is God's love letter to you. It's like a guidebook, and we encourage you to read it every day. Also, fill out the card that's there because we'd love to connect with you. At the end of the service, please come forward. Some of the pastors just want to 
get your name and shake your hand and say hello and see if there's any way that we could serve you. Could we praise God for them one more time? Hallelujah. Okay, I want everyone to stand now as we go to close. But we're not done with the meeting yet. I want everyone to close their eyes for a moment. Please, just close your eyes. Because this word is not just for those who need to accept Jesus. This word is also for those who've become distant from God. Yeah, you accepted Jesus one day, but you're not living for Jesus. You're not walking in friendship with Jesus. You're, you're, you've been making decisions. You've been chasing the pleasure or chasing success or, 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 or just looking for things and, and trying, to, trying to do it in your own strength, hoping somehow that, that this craving inside of you will be satisfied. Or, or maybe you've made some decisions and you feel guilty and you feel like I'm here but I'm ashamed and I feel like there's no room for me. That is a lie. Today we are declaring there is room for everyone in the family of God. Hallelujah. And here's the word of the Lord to you. Jesus wants you back. Jesus wants you back. And all you have to do is turn. All you have to do is turn. Please, everyone, please just close your eyes. I don't want anyone to feel shame. But I'm going to say this as we go to close. Can I tell you, yesterday I spoke with someone who came here as a teenager and, and, and went this on the success track and, and I spoke to them and they were kind of in a, on a, just like a mess, just a big mess. And now they're, they're over 30 years old. And, and, uh, and I said, look, you just got to repent. You just got to turn away and come back to the Lord and he'll help you. He loves you. He wants you. He suffers your suffering. He hurts your hurt. He loves us with an everlasting love. We can't push him away. All we have to do is turn in. If you're here today and you would just slip up your hand and it's, it's, every eye is closed, but say, I want to get back with God. I want to get close to God again today. I want to repent and, and I, wanna, I just want to get right with Jesus today. Come on, slip up your hand right now. Slip it up as an act of humility and as an act of surrender. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Come on, today is not a day to feel ashamed. There's no shame in the presence of Jesus. He paid the price for all of our shame. Amen. Okay, put your hands down. Everyone take someone's hand right now and we're going to close by praying God, make us part of your family like never before. Father, we lift up everyone that's been away from you. We lift up anyone that perhaps has backslidden or has been feeling shame or been deceived. Father, would you bring them back to the household of faith. Bring them back to the family of God. Lord, there's room for everyone in your in your house. Oh God, there's room for everyone in our Father's house. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you, God, that you wash the record clean right now by the blood of Jesus. Wash us clean, we pray, oh God. 
You don't want to talk about that anymore. You just want to build from here. You want to grow from here. God, let people go home and open their Bible, oh God, and get on their knees, oh God, and come back to church and, and connect with the family, the people of God. I pray, Lord, if anyone is attached, oh God, in ungodly ways, break that attachment right here, right now in the name of Jesus. Send them out free, God, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And God, make us evangelists this, this Christmas season. Let us all be children of hope, bringing the good news wherever we go. Thank you. Thank you that we are part of the family of God in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, come on, let's give him a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. Go tell someone that there's room for everyone this season. Hallelujah. God bless you. We'll see you on Tuesday.